everybody. Good morning. It's been a little longer than usual between episodes. Oops. Whoops. Anyway, as usual, we'll thank our sponsors, Electro Voice. For making us sound so good. Making us sound so good, providing us the microphones. We want to thank skcoffee.org for giving us coffee. Woo! Woo! And we want to thank Oleo. All it is is a powder form of CBD. Add it to water or any beverage of your choice. I like whiskey. And boom, you have CBD oil. Boom. Boom. And thank you to our future sponsor, White Claw. White Claw for making (laughs) us talk smart. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it has been a while, but yeah, we got a really cool guest with us today. His name is Dunks. At least that's what he put his name in my phone as when I met him for the first time. But he is one of two members of the Funk Hunters, which were one of my biggest inspirations as a producer when I started kind of venturing out of house music and trance music. And I mean, I don't want to say events like EDC because EDC is really incredible and like all encompassing, honestly. But I mean, just like the more commercial when right. I started venturing away from the more commercial top 100 sort of things, the Funk Hunters were one of the first acts that I found that I felt like I was really, really stoked on. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were mixing funk with yeah. Glitch Hop. And Poldor was also another one of those artists for me. And Sticky Buds. Right. But the Funk Hunters were, were one of the first ones. And so it became really surreal to sign the last EP that me and Pat did together actually called The Ride. Oh, that's right. Onto Westwood Recordings, which is run by Nick Middleton and Alex Munoz and several other people. But so basically it's an artist label, the Funk Hunters label that Nick really kind of spearheads. And mm-hmm. so being signed to that label was really surreal as well. And these guys have done like super legendary work with, I mean, a plethora of artists, honestly. They're working with Charlie Tuna on a regular basis right now, right. which is really surreal to see. I think see. they did a, a remix for a particular group on Capitol Recordings U2. recently. U2. Was it U2? Yes. Really? They did an official remix for U2. Really? Yeah, not only are they doing uh, remixes yeah, for U2, Selena Gomez, like some of these big label sort of things, but they also, like I said... Going back a second with Charlie Tuna, if you don't know who that is, Charlie Tuna is one of the original members of Jurassic 5, which is, I mean, one of the biggest positive tip hip-hop groups of all time. And Charlie Tuna is the verbal Herman Munster. I mean, he's the most memorable voice in hip-hop, in my opinion. He, I don't think anyone can argue that he is one of the most memorable voices in hip-hop at the end of the day. Maybe not number one to you or whatever, but... To me, for sure, he's just unmistakable. Such a deep, I don't know. He has such a crazy timbre to his voice. It's so like aggressive but chill at the same time. I don't know right. how to say it really. Um, Hard but soft. And this guy's like seven foot tall. I mean, Is maybe that not that tall, but he's he's a he's a tall guy. Huh. So he's like, yeah, the verbal Herman Monster. To that a, makes sense. To a T. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. So anyway, and he's been working with Westwood. He, yeah, he's on tour with them right now, actually, on a tour that they booked, which is really cool That's to see Westwood cool. doing that as well. But anyway, so so Duncan is one of the members of the Funk Hunters, which is one of the people that got me started doing this whole entire crazy little journey that we're on, whatever. 
he also has his own project that he started pretty recently called the Lazy Syrup Orchestra. And I played with them at Motion Notion last year and got to see them for the first time. So anyway, this guy has lots of tricks up his sleeve. I'm stoked for you guys to listen to the interview that we have going mm-hmm. with him. But anyway. before the interview, we have some stuff we have to talk about. Yeah. Per usual. Got? What do we got? Well, you know what? The, I saw this new product released called Facebook Portal. Okay. Basically, what it is, it's a t- it's a tangible product. It's it's like a tablet, specifically designed for Facebook video, like conference conferencing, and or video calls. I guess they call them on Facebook. But what makes it really cool? I mean, a lot of tablets can do this. You can do it on Skype. You can do it on Zoom. Uh, but what makes this cool is the camera follows, uh, quote, the action of the video. So the commercial that I saw in every promotion that I've always seen, it's some guy like cooking or prepping vegetables, doing some prep cooking or something in his kitchen while he's trying to talk to his family across the country or something like that. And it made me wonder how many to- how many video calls or conference calls are we doing where both of our hands are being tied up? You know? Are you always are you calling people and your hands are always busy? I mean, sometimes, especially if I'm in the airport, which happens, like, pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's kind of funny that we've spun into this backwards Bluetooth <laughs> ear, earphone thing again, but now they're cool because they're AirPods or whatever. Right. Right. I mean, Bluetooth was, like, I don't know why it's so monumental now that they're wireless or whatever. And I don't own yeah. a pair. And so people that with AirPods that are listening to me right now will probably be like, you don't know how comfortable they are. I forget they're even in. Yeah, but, um, that is really ironic. Know, I, I never thought of it this way. I trust you and I want some. I've never too. thought of it this way. But I I bought a Bluetooth did you? earpiece when did I was like 17. Yes, they did. Of course they did. Yes, they did. And they you know should. what? I just started to leave it in my center console in my car because... I knew I was just going to get made fun of. I remember driving around and seeing like douchebags with Bluetooth earpieces driving and like talking on the phone and we would make fun of them. Exactly. We'd be like, look and at that asshole. Yeah, what an <laughs> asshole for being more safe and having both hands yeah, on I the know, wheel right? and, and like know. blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I just thought of that parallel the other day and I was like, oh my God, like how all of a sudden did we come from this place where Bluetooth earpieces were super douchey, super dumb. If you saw anyone with them, you'd think they were in, A, an idiot, B, inconsiderate. Like, And then I, I just remember also having this exact mentality when I would walk past somebody that had one and they'd be like talking on the phone to somebody and I'd be like, oh, you think you're so cool. You're so Who cool. are you even talking to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, whatever. Exactly. Um, that's that's what's cool now. And the AirPods are like the new hot thing. So yeah, it's kind of funny. I kind of, I kind of forget that they're basically just a Bluetooth earpiece. They are. But they just literally are. Sexier. Yes, they're a more well-designed Bluetooth earpiece, which is like a really funny metaphor for Apple as a company, kind of. Well, that was just their whole like function as a company was to take a PC, which everybody wanted, and to put it into a much more streamlined. Their whole thing has always been designed. That's why their MP3 player is the most popular thing in the world. That's right. why they have a phone with no fucking buttons on it. Right. This is literally like this is true. a, a this tale is true. as old as time. So this it's just like it doesn't surprise me at all that now all of a sudden, because Apple decided to design something that you put in your ear, people are like, oh, it looks like a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> I forget it's in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So now, I have experience. Now it's cool. Everybody. I have experience awesome. with AirPods. And 
I see people that I work with a lot that wear AirPods when they're like back in the kitchen, they're doing prep work. They got their AirPods in doing whatever they're doing. And I make fun of them like I used to with the Bluetooth headsets, right? Well, you're conditioned I'm because conditioned of to. the Bluetooth headsets. And that, that they do <laughs> they do kind of look like assholes back there. And it's like <laughs> I'm trying to talk I'm trying to talk to them and they're not hearing me and all they're missing is a really terrible joke anyway. But I will say somebody left a set of AirPods at a restaurant once and I saw them and I, I popped open the case and I put them in, tried them on. Those things are comfortable. I would totally have a pair. Yeah, our if you'd podcast, ever upgrade your phone from the Galaxy 3 or whatever. Our podcast is, is on Apple. And if Apple's listening, if you want to send me a pair of AirPods, I will definitely wear we'll them. We'll do the podcast with them. Yeah, I'll champion the <laughs> AirPods. And they're really comfortable. Um, and they feel really good, too. They feel like a quality product. Man, are you working for Apple or, like, what's no, going on here? Unless they're paying. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess not. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so getting back to, I don't know, we went on that tangent about video calling and hands-free calling. Sorry, I just had to chime in about it. No, it's true. But so Facebook Portal is basically like a, a tablet, a smart tablet with Alexa built in. And it has all these apps so you can listen to Spotify, Pandora, set reminders, do all this stuff on your calendar, and also just primarily video chat with people. But the cool thing is about this camera is that like it follows you as you move around. It somehow recognizes you. So you can be hands-free, you can be walking and talking, follows you. You got more people in the room that are coming into the room. The camera will zoom in or zoom out based on, you know, the trying to get everybody in the frame. It's a pretty cool piece of technology. I haven't seen many like consumer products that use this kind of uh, auto-focusing, auto-following camera. And I just think it's, I'm not necessarily saying this is a good product, I've never used it, but I think- What's the ideal demographic here? Like, who are they thinking is wanting this exactly? I just want to know. It's like, are they thinking like uh, schools, like, like a university wants this to be I able think to it, stream lectures or like, what is the, like for, for like your average person, like me and you, for us to do podcasts, like what? Is well, the, so it's, it's made by Facebook in collaboration with okay, Amazon. Okay, but like, what is the need to have this hands-free thing that follows you around a room? Well, so how they're promoting it seems to be this guy that's doing all of his prep cooking work, trying to talk to his like wife and kids or, or like his parents oh, or whatever. So it's just, okay. Like it's like a family connect type thing is, is how they're kind of marketing it. Like, Oh, you want to talk to grandma sent, you can buy him in packs of two, send it to grandma. It's like, it's like the future of, remember those, didn't you buy one for your mom one year for Christmas? Those intercoms, not an, not an intercom, a baby <laughs> monitor. Um, but, uh, what? No, uh, you bought your mom like that picture frame where you can upload things oh, remotely, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like that, but in now real time. So you can talk to people and see them while you're talking to them. I think that's kind of how they're marketing it. But yeah. down the road, I think this camera technology, when it becomes more available for consumers, I think it will be kind of cool. And I think the applications will be awesome. Like you said, lectures at universities or what have you. I don't know. Yeah. All I sorts mean, of crazy I things. guess I'm just wondering like who exactly, but I guess... I'm thinking that because I'm me and like I can't imagine a scenario where I couldn't pause for a minute, I guess, to just talk on the phone or just do it like not with video. Well, you know what? It'll probably why I think it might go is let's say you're watching Netflix or Hulu or something like that. You might just like be able to install like this camera on your TV. And if somebody calls, it'll be built into TV. Then we can see your lazy ass then we laying can see out your on lazy your couch ass. with your belly like out just like. Yeah. See how legs. many see how many bags of M&Ms you got on the table. Strewn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
that type Sweet. of stuff. That so, sounds like something I would also really want, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the future is bright. And getting talking about the future being <laughs> bright, have you heard about organic LEDs? They've been around forever. But the cost of organic LEDs is going down and it's becoming so much more affordable that it's going to totally ruin everybody's future. That's my thought. That's my idea. Because organic LEDs are very tiny organic compounds that have a light-emitting diode built in. And so this organic compound, when it has an electrical charge, will be able to you know, produce a light. But it's so malleable, it can be sewn into clothing. Ooh. Yeah. And on posters and like wrapping around stuff. So I think the future, the ad, the advertising people are super stoked on it because they'll be able to advertise anywhere. Think about having a concert po- poster that you can just post up somewhere and change it throughout the day or like on time intervals. where it And like, it lights up? So yeah. No. And or it's it just an LED. It's just an LED, so you can walk by. For some by. reason, I was thinking LCD for a second. Oh, well, they both light up. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, wait, <laughs> am I thinking like everyone could put lights everywhere? Because that sounds really overwhelming. Um, well, they probably this can. This also sounds like really overwhelming. It's, it's super overwhelming. And the cost is going down. It's becoming so much more affordable over the last like 10 to 15 years that it's about to become very annoying and a very real part of our world. Oh, boy. In my theory. And, like, you could I have mean, people that walk, makes sense. You could have people walking down the street with a white T-shirt that has Chipotle advertising, and Chipotle's paying them $2 to wear their stupid white T-shirt with their ad on it, you know? But it also might make, that's the future. When nobody has jobs, that's how we're going to get paid. Chipotle is going to pay us, or McDonald's is going to pay you to wear their advertising oh on your God. Everybody, electronic shirt. Pat, I gave Pat a hit of weed before this episode, and here it's gonna we are. It's going to happen. Here it's going to happen. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I agree, probably it will run the world here soon um but everyone will be paid by amazon that's true because they'll own everything that's true and even your soul did you see that south park episode that they did about it no no you don't watch it there, there was like a whole spoof on that like how amazon I never grew owns up everything. being allowed to watch south park so like by the time that i was it felt too far gone it was like season 907 it was mm. like okay well fuck i'm never gonna catch up here so yeah. it's futile i mean i've seen I like understand. i've seen episodes but I've never seen yeah, they it basically, its entirety or anything. This past season, they basically did a couple episodes spoof about how Amazon came in and brought a distribution center to their town and took over the town, basically, and everybody's job was <laughs> working for Amazon at the distribution oh, center. And they went to a mall, and it was, like, all grown over, and there was, like, these zombie mall oh employees God. still working there. It was hilarious. Well, I was making a joke, but that's a little unsettling because I feel like South Park has a knack for predicting the future. They so do. That's, they do. Eh. And, like, all the employees, if people were trying to not work for Amazon, yeah, they're all Prime members because the whole town works uh-huh. for Amazon. And if, like, people were trying to, like, not work there or get a, di- a different job, their shipments would be delayed. But everybody was so reliant on their Amazon shipments. That like they were, it was like a way for them to force them to work for the company. <laughs> well, yeah, really... you need your toilet paper. They have yeah. those little buttons that you can buy. You know, I know that's you can buy like a a tied button to right. put by your laundry machine for when you 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 buy the button, so you could push the button to send a signal to your phone to buy more tied. Yeah, when you're running when out. you run out, or you put it by your toilet 
which I think if you had kids would just be a terrible idea because you get like so <laughs> much random shit at the door all the time. Right. I, um, uh, I never understood those buttons because it's like, I know when I'm I've running. I've never met anyone that has one. Um, my friends, a guy who I used to play in a band with, his girlfriend, and he had buttons. And I never talked to him about it. I just saw the buttons. You just saw the buttons? I saw What the were buttons. the buttons for? I, I think it was something like toilet paper and Tide, honestly. Really? It was Or like um, dishwashing soap mm, or something okay. like that. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Like Dawn. No, I mean, yeah. like fundamentally, I think it's a smart idea. But I know when I'm running out of things and I just go to yeah. the store. <clears throat> yeah. If I'm running out of toilet paper, I'll just sit on the toilet and buy more toilet paper on my phone. Yeah. Or I don't know. I, I'm just Whatever. saying like. I need one for If I'm food. saying, I'm just saying if I want to really want to order it from Amazon, like why do I, I really need a button? You know what? I need a button in my refrigerator. And plus do you wash that button. That's just going to become like a doo-doo button if you put yeah. it by your toilet. Yeah. Touching a button is just like touching a butt. So. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of marketing, like we were just talking about, I don't know if we talk about this with Duncan on this interview or if we talked about it on the past shell that we did, but they came out with an article from Songkick where they talk about the whole like marshmallow thing that happened on Fortnite and how we were talking about it sort of being not the future of music festivals, but definitely in the near future for like, I would say some of the world's most famous festivals to have like an option the option yeah. to l- basically live stream and virtually walk around the festival without actually having to be there right so anyway there's song kick came out with an article that shows the stats since the concert and this at the time was the following monday and it happened on a saturday so mm-hmm. here are the song kick stats for marshmallow since saturday night's fortnite concert he was the number one most visited artist on song kick since Saturday's stream, two times more page views than the global concert phenomenon that is happening during the same exact period. Wow. A 3,000% page view increase. And when they say the global concert phenomenon, they mean the Super Bowl halftime show? Yeah. Okay. So in like the Super Bowl halftime show had half as many as half as many page views as yes. he did. Okay. Yeah, as That's Marshmallow did. huge. Yeah. That's huge. A 3,000% page view increase. So daily search average on songkick.com over the past year, they looked at that and saw a 3,000% spike on Saturday. And the spike has yet to drop off as well. The biggest single day search of (sighs) all time uh, of any any artist ever in in a single day. Holy shit. On on Songkick. So, yeah. So it's basically that's here to stay because it's a success, like overnight success. Yeah, uh, basically they're saying since Saturday, Marshmallow has had enough search interest on just songkick.com to fill out an entire U.S. sports stadium. Whoa. So just one platform. We're talking like one that people don't even really Think know about, about yeah. or use, I would say, in, in like all honesty when we're thinking like third-party music patrons Yeah. and non-obsessors. Songkick is... It's down there. Yeah, I didn't even know they wrote articles, honestly, and I'm pretty <laughs> with it. Either, so. Yeah. This is kind of interesting on several different levels it, that it was so successful for him. So, yeah, I right. think we were completely right in saying this is going to be well, a huge be, game changer for things. Yeah, I think and like how I would do it, how I would perceive it happening is that they're going to be charging more for this feature versus actual people there. You think they charge more for you to VR yourself into the festival than to actually, actually attend? Actually, no, not not in the onset. 
I, I think, think honestly the they could charge they the same amount. I and think, people would be like, oh, I don't have to like pay to get there. Perfect. Right. Yeah, they could probably do that. I just don't think I I think eventually down the road it'll take away from major festivals like EDC and that type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because there's such a monu- monumental event. If you don't have to go to Vegas and you don't have to deal with all of the actual people, but you can just go there and listen to the music that you want to and like, you know, dance in the comfort of your living room, people would rather do that. I think over time. So I, I agree. That's, and that's why we just need to bring back turntable FM. Yeah, Woo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we talked about that recently too. Yeah. Yeah. Turntable FM, man. RIP. Yeah. So it's like basically what we've learned today is life is going back to Bluetooth headsets and turntable FM. It really is regressing. So, this is like, insane. <laughs> so we had it right once, guys. We oh, fucked it right. all up for the yeah. last like 10 years. We've been really fucking yeah, things we up. Yeah, we were on the right path. <laughs> we had it. Yeah. We were so close, people. Anyway, that's a- actually hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe it. Full circle. So Full anyway, circle. Um, let's move on to the... The big interview? The big, the big deal of the day, the bell of the ball, the dunk a lunk. Duncan Smith, Sir Duncan Smith of the Funk Hunters. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Dunks from the Funk Hunters and Lazy Syrup Orchestra. You're tuned in to the Green Room Podcast. We spent last night in the arms of Louisiana. Dead cold in the eyes and she says manna And don't you dare walk out that door Cause if you do it would be your last time for sure Honey you know that you got what I want Got a feeling that you wanna come home Won't you let me touch you in the right spot Thanks for coming to hang out with his dunks. 
I think I met you now like three years ago, which seems like really crazy, but- In, in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. You guys met in Wisconsin, yeah. my home state. Really? Yeah. yeah. We did? Where were I, we? I don't uh, remember. Do you remember there was that like uh, outdoor uh, Halloween? No, there was a, a mummy band. I remember the mummy band was there. <laughs> what? It was uh, in, uh, what's, what's name some cities in Wisconsin? Madison, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Madison. Ma Madison. Ma Madison? Maybe. Yeah. You played a Halloween show with like, here come, was it Here Come the Mummies from yeah. Chicago, like a funk band? They all yeah. dressed like mummies? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't a Halloween show, but they were there. Oh they my were God. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> that you actually, yeah. that's awesome yeah. that you know who they are. That is hilarious. They're great. Yeah. Well, I guess so. That's when we met. So anyway, yeah, now it's been forever. It's really wild because I used to listen to Westwood everything and Funk Hunters before that. I even knew about Westwood. So I think I would oh, always no, listen to- Oh, no, it was uh, Zombie Pub Crawl in Lacrosse. Oh, Lacrosse. That's, right. that's it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because okay. you went up on stage uh, and Everyone had like a rap zombies. battle at the bar it... afterwards. I remember that's that. That's right. I did. Yeah. yeah and it wasn't mummies. <laughs> yeah. It was zombies. Zombies. Okay. Oh, it wasn't yeah. the mummies? No, it was <laughs> everyone was zombies because it was zombie bar crawl. Oh, yeah, they didn't have the mummy band there. I think they well, probably did. Well, we dressed did. as Star Wars mummies or Star Wars zombies. That's right. That's right. I was Darth Vader zombie. Anyway, that I was, was hilarious. I was touring DJ zombie. Yeah. You <laughs> you did a great job. You were by yourself last time too. Yeah, and I this, was. This time as well. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've been listening to Funk Hunters for a thousand years. My first song I ever found of yours was called The Plan. My friend Jimmy Townsend oh, yeah. showed it to me. Shout out to Ski Tour. Oh my God. I, yeah. I've never seen those guys live actually, but anyway. Yeah. They were actually called Livingstone and Kenosis back then. That was pre-ski tour. Really? Yeah. They, they had a law firm as well. That's crazy. If you guys haven't heard of ski tour, you should peep them too. They have two eyes and they wear full like snowsuits and ski goggles. And like, even sometimes I've seen them go over the top with like hella ski gear on, on stage. But you gotta that's be sweaty. Thing. Yeah, after it, it does sound really sweaty. Yeah, anyway. they're, they're awesome. They're What's great. the most ridiculous costume you've worn on stage? Um... I've seen the oh. suits. Yeah, we've done a lot of suits. I mean, we did this this last Halloween, I think, was definitely our best. Um, you know, we always been the when you're a duo, you're always trying to figure out like, okay, we gotta find the like the duality costume. And uh we went Nick had this idea to go as like park rangers, which I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. But we both grew up on the islands uh off the west coast of Canada, and there's this ferry service there, which is quite uh, you know, I, I grew up on this small, like thousand person island there. And so your whole life is dependent on this ferry corporation, which is technically a, a government entity, but it's also a private corporation. And it's just like this, it's really like, if you grew up surviving by the ferries, you fucking hate them. Yeah. So, oh, sure. so we went, so we went as ferry employees and like, it was a big hit. Even though none of our shows were on the islands, people in British Columbia still like got the joke. And then we put it on social media and that like really got some love there so i remember seeing that but and yeah. i didn't really under, i mean i got what you guys were doing but i didn't get the yeah. free context of yeah it, so if you know like and then we i mean to take the joke a little further like we made all these signs so it was like uh like a three sailing weight it's like a common term when the like on sunday night if the ferries are busy but we made it like a three sailing weight for like a white spot burger which is like the fast food chain that's on the ferries and then it was like, ask about our new Wi-Fi because they've had Wi-Fi for like ten years, but like you can't load an email on it. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so that That's was that was like our fun. That was like the easily our funnest costume years ago too. Actually, this was a, this was a real good Halloween story. Uh, it was 
right after Base Coast Festival kicked off, um, they threw this Halloween party. They did this for the first like four years of the festival, and they had this spot up just north of Vancouver. And uh, you guys know J Pod, J Pod yeah. the Beat Chef, the um, poor first martyr of SoundCloud. Go on. Yeah. Anyway, so J Pod, <laughs> uh, he was dressed. He had like the Day of the Dead Mexican thing going on, mm-hmm. and Nick was a jailbird, and I was, I think, the DJ from Yo Gabba Gabba. Okay. And we're in the, and there's this photo of J-Pod. <laughs> this is like all my memories of this photo because this was like 10 years ago now. But we were playing inside this giant teepee. And that was like one of the stages for, they had like three different stages. It's outdoors, cold as fuck. And someone right at the end of our set lit off a firework and it went up and the teepee was made of plastic. And all of a sudden the roof of the teepee like lit on fire and like molten, like burning plastic started dropping on the dance floor and it was like mayhem and everyone was freaking (laughs) out running around and and this dude dressed up as a clown and this was the best part of the whole story is like this clown saved the whole party (laughs) or like like what happened like oh man this clown like climbed up the teepee and put out the fire (laughs) it was like this hero no one knew who he was he was like i mean like people know who he is now but uh we always just knew him as the clown so that sounds like that's amazing a really like funny mushroom trip almost like yeah you could, like not even we and we were like we were lucky because we had just finished our set like j-pod played and then us and then and then and then that was it the fun years i think it was during their show they were doing like a little in-between puppet show thing and uh so it's not really a costume story that's more just like a that's halloween that's exactly what burning. we wanted to hear yeah that's all i wanted to hear right story. now yeah i had a tiny spark in my mind of a tangential story recently and you know you know i've never eaten mushrooms in my life but if i ever did there might have been this one time where I was just like sitting there <laughs> right after a concert that I'd got home from. We were at a friend's house and their cat like goes walking across the table in front of me and the, the table had a bunch of candles on it. We're all just sitting there oh, and no. all of a sudden somebody's like, that cat's tail is on fire. And we're all like, what, is really? this a joke? Like I can only relate to thinking like, is the roof seriously on fire yeah. right now? The roof, is the roof, a- the roof is on fire. <laughs> Wait, so was the cat on fire? Dead ass, this cat was on uh, fire. Was oh, his tail okay? My, my, we just are- he was totally okay. And all the people who are sh- sh- like, all the cat lovers of the room were like, oh my God, yeah. you know, checking on it's like every part of its tail. We just had to One amputate. of your parts of this cat is like a huge cunt. So it was like extra kind of funny. You can't say that word. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Who Puss, says pussies, the uh, FCC won't let me be or let me be me? So let me see. Term for yeah, you gotta, gotta try people, to yeah. shut down GRP. Especially if but you're talking about so cats, pussies is me. preferred P- term. Pussies totally preferred. But yeah, yeah. Wait, that that story also hits close down for me because we just had our cat's tail amputated. Oh really? no! <sighs> yeah, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, well, uh, he came home one day with this like little like scuff halfway down the tail, and we uh, let it be for a bit, and then slowly the hair just they we shaved they shaved it at the vet to like see the cut and then the the hair never grew back halfway down and we took them back oh, no. and they were like feel this right here see how that's cold and feel this up here feel that's warm that you've got a dead tail and i was like so what happens if we just leave it <laughs> and they were like well have you ever seen an iguana before and i was like yes and i got all excited but uh in reality we had to get it properly surgically removed so and so now he's got this little like kind of like 
four-inch dick tail. I've never seen a a cat with a nub. Yeah, so it's a bigger nub. How's the balance? Does it lose its balance? Nah, see, that's a wife's tail. Oh, That's like copywriting through the mail. Oh, okay, see? (laughs) That is so funny, dude. No, I told you. We were just talking about this. We had a a pre-combo in the car. You're talking shit about me in the car, No, it came up. It came up. That is so funny. That's really funny. Yeah, everybody, Pat's trying to steal my intellectual property over here. I am. Yeah, Yeah, that's how it came up. I didn't tell you why, but I'm stealing ideas. Cool. You know, I'm not worried because I know how lazy you are. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh my god. Anyway, so um, have you guys played? Well, I guess it's early in the year. So here, here's a good question. Favorite festival of last summer? Oh, I saw you at a few of them. You played right after um, me at a couple. I mean, honestly, the 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 you know, Base Coast and Shamla are our two home festivals. Those are just like every time we play there, especially our Base Coast set this year. I thought really like. Just the response we got off that one was just insane. But we got to perform the main stage of Lightning in a Bottle at sundown on the Sunday night. And that was like just, it was, I mean, I actually just, I got there a day before and watched like Anderson Pack on that stage and a couple other, I think Monolink played the the sunset, like same slot the day before. And like I was standing there. And I haven't gotten nervous for a show in, man, like like probably eight or nine years. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is the biggest show we've ever done, especially in the in America. And it was just, like, massive. And uh, we just did a show last weekend in L.A. And it, it, it went really well. L.A. is a weird town. Um, right. Especially, like, we played there a few times. And it's it was our first proper headline show there. And every person after the set was like, man, that was awesome. Like we saw you at LIB and like, that's why we're here. That's so awesome. that was like really cool to see. So that, that's good. that uh, that's just great. the vibe there, that stage was amazing. It was all PK sound. Like our Canadian friends were like running the stage and it was just, it was big. It was really big for us and just an amazing, the energy was just incredible. Yeah. So I that, don't know if people know that's awesome. I'm, I've never been to live, but I'm so excited to go. Um, I don't know if people know this, that PK sounds out of Calgary, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um. So everything in Calgary is like every single show poster you see at the bottom, it's like fifty million watts of PK sound, which is just kind of funny because like, yeah, people don't flex that super hard down here in America. I mean, like with the deep dub stuff, you'll see Hennessy and Function One, and you'll Function see mentions one, of it. For and sure. There for are like sure. specific festivals for the audiophiles and stuff like that. But for I just sure. found it really curious that we, yeah, when you go up to Canada, like everything's like PK yeah. Sound Nation. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's for sure. It's like Function Ones, though, like bass festivals and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah but, sounds. or I mean, yeah, but like people here, down here, they use Function One, they use Void, they use Hennessy. The, the thing is, is, they is use EV, who's yeah. EV, Electro Voice. Hey. Not only is the PK sound, like, obviously they're making amazing, they're pushing the boundaries right now on, on the speakers they're making, and like they, they run five out of the six stages at Shambhala now. They're pretty much doing everything at Base Coast. Wow, okay. And, uh, but I think there's more to just a lot of the crews and like shout out to all the the homies in the in the PK sound world just because I think more than just the speakers it often just resonates to like there being good sound and good production yeah, totally. and uh, it's funny too because you see it on a lot of like small events like homies got like a like a little PK top rig yeah. that he like bought off, you know, for 10 grand and like keeps it in his basement. And he's like, PK sound. You show up to like the Seriously. basement gig and you're like, okay. okay. I, I, played, a show, on, I yeah. played a show in Montana pretty recently <laughs> and they had just bought their own PK rig. But that was like, yeah, 
that was their extent of knowledge on it. You know, I had to plug yeah. in, I had to use this like eight channel mixer from like 1998 to plug in their PK sound. Like it was, and they had no idea who or what to talk to, to literally like get anything yeah, I to mean, work. It was people crazy. Wanna, people wanna just, I mean, I think it's like a, almost anything. We were, you were talking about DAWs earlier and it's like, it doesn't matter what PK function one, yeah. you could have a like a Sony sound system. Like it doesn't really matter, if you have someone like teching it, who knows what they're doing? Totally. It's, that's like I just find obviously the the you know the speakers and are incredible that these companies are making Function One and PK. And, but I think the level if you that, don't have someone properly teching it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And <laughs> the level of like audiophile you have to be to actually like hear the intricacies of the difference of. Even yeah. an MP3 320 versus a wave file. Yeah. It's like We're doing this entire, most of us aren't can't even hear that shit anyway. We this no entire tour idea. is YouTube rips right now. And no really? One's, yeah, no one's even yeah, caught nobody's, with it. Nobody's, no yeah, one's so um, <laughs> come tonight to listen to the 60, 60 kilobyte versions uh, of all it's the actually It's tracks. actually 256 now. Where they've, up, they've upgraded, oh, yeah. 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 Have you ever had to rip yeah. your own track? Because I have. Oh, because like, you lost the file yes, or something? Like, like, I could not find the fucking file. And I, whoever it was, I think it was like Aaron Jackson. I'm like texting him right before the show. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do. I like can't find it anywhere. I was going to close it. You send you like it. one of those ghetto YouTube downloader links. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, no. I just had to go on to like, I just had to Google like YouTube to MP3 and like rip yeah. my, actually, I think I just went on to Sound Drain and ripped my own SoundCloud track. But yeah. Sick. So that happens. Nice. <laughs> Nice. People torrent their own music and nobody. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've done that to practice for songs and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, absolutely, all the time. It's easier than waiting on you to send over tracks. You know what's the cutest thing ever is when you have a partner who loops your music all day so that you get like twenty eight streams by the end of the hour. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's what Haley's doing. Yeah, she's told me before. She's like, babe, I looped your new song all day. I think day. they changed. I think after Wolfpack uh, did that. You know about their, their no, wait, sleep what's album? This? What's this? Oh, you don't know about it? Mm-mm. No. Okay, I mean, I Ooh, haven't. Juicy. So this is old news. I mean, you guys, yeah. sorry. I, Google, everyone's like, You're come on, man. Uh, but they, <laughs> you know Volpec, right? Yeah. The so they put out an album called Sleep, and it was just, this was like to combat uh, the low royalties being paid from Spotify streams. So it was just blank noise, and they got yes. all their entire fan base to play it while they were sleeping on repeat. I heard about this. And yeah. I think they racked up a lot of streams on this blank album. And since then, Spotify completely changed the way they're paying out. I think like a lot of repeat streams within a short period of time don't count. Okay. I'm pretty that sure. Totally that makes sense. It, makes, sense. it does make sense I mean, because you could just set up like these well, like... You could set up like a streaming farm. Totally. Like that's what I was yeah. thinking. Like, like people like mi- like they're mining streams. They do. They have, people do have like... There are looping... Like conglomerates in like Mexico City for like this exact purpose yeah. that you can it's like hire out. Like six years and later, and they got like six bucks. Yeah, and when <laughs> when I was doing Menage Quad still, when we first had that first video that went viral, we I woke up to an email from, and it was kind of funny because Google had just bought YouTube like maybe a year or two before, so it was sort of this like slow transition into like some of the a lot of the policies and things changing in terms of when you can be like a YouTube partner. They changed all the credentials for like what allows you to be able to be monetized and able to advertise and this and that. And one of the things that they also did was change the algorithm for verification of every view. So I got this email when I'd woken up the morning after I'd posted like our first Menage Quad music video on Reddit or whatever. That's a great name, by the way. 
Thank you, thank you so much. What, what did we it's a, It was a four, it was a four, menage a four. There was four MCs, yeah. there was like, and yeah, this is like great. a nine piece project, but yeah, that's great. And we, menage a quad. Shout out. Menage a quad. Did you guys actually do that as a song? We would do it on stage as a joke, yeah. Nice. But that's anyway, awesome. I woke up to this email from YouTube that said like, your video, like, your video view verification is being processed. You'll see like changes in view numbers for the next 48 to 72 hours as it continues to verify an update. And it was like, do, do not be alarmed that your play count will sit at 301 plus f until these are verified. And so I like go to it. Yeah. And it says 301 plus for three days. And I'm like, what is even, what does this even mm -hmm. mean? Like oh, it's so okay. much, so many views are happening that it can't keep up like that much. And Finally, one day I went to check it and it was like 180,000. Whoa. And three days later, it had taken oh, that long. I thought long it was going to be like 306. <laughs> <laughs> like, Five verified yeah. streamers. Yeah, no, it was 100, crazy. 100,000 yeah, from Mexico they, City. It could fun. not keep up with, the, cool. with verifying the viewership of everything. And so that cool. was, I'm sure it's even more strict then. But I mean, obviously, we hadn't hired out people to loop our stuff. I just happened to put it on Reddit when Europe was awake mm -hmm. at like two in the morning. And they love Electro Swing. So that was like Game pretty on. easy to put those pieces together easy. of why that had happened. But anyway, yeah, it's kind of crazy. They have hella extreme algorithms these days for making sure people aren't just sitting on their computers at work, like put opening their same music video on like 50 tabs and playing yeah, it. Yeah, you can there. only like your own post so many times. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> you know what's weird about Before that too is liking your own yeah. post up your reach. After a while. I, my favorite is seeing someone's like Facebook posts and like it just goes up and there's one like and it's them. I'm like, nice way to kick it off. <laughs> my favorite ones are the people that are like, if one person likes this, I'll eat 20 McNuggets in a minute and then, and then they'll they like eat it. it. <laughs> they, they like it. That's yeah. pretty good too. Oh, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> cool. That's cool. funny. Anyway. Anyway, so you're here in town in Minneapolis and you're in Milwaukee tomorrow, but how long is this like little stretch you were talking about earlier? Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of crazy. We've we've basically been on the road uh, since the end of November. We did our big like Canada tour, um, which took us, you know, Funk the Halls it was our fourth or fifth year doing that, and that took us all across Canada, and we did Seattle as well with that. And we had a couple weeks off, but in that time, I I, t I went on a little vacation with my girlfriend to Hawaii, and Nick went off to Indonesia with his girlfriend, and and I think we both kind of realized that like those vacations were kind of just like back on the road <laughs> and like for, right. for us we went to right. Hawaii and rented a van and we're like sleeping in the van so it was kind of like i feel like i've really been non-stop on the road and then we went to uh we did uh two shows in australia two uh, little festival gigs and one in new zealand and then we this is our third and final week of the u.s tour okay and this is like the kind of like the final hurrah we've got five nights in a row okay and uh, it's been really great. I mean, uh, we had a couple slow gigs last week, but um, our Cali shows were just popping off. We had an amazing show in San Francisco, and then last weekend we played the Ogden in Denver, which was just, which was epic. It was like really the biggest show we've done in our like our own headline show. It was the biggest thing we've done, and we brought in our own production, and it was just it looked sweet and sounded sweet. That's great. Was it sold out? It wasn't sold out, but Pretty. it was like. It looked like it practically. We had much. sold like not a lot of tickets uh, leading up. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, I know Denver's there's just so much happening. So we kind of expected that. But yeah, there was about a thousand people there. And That's it's awesome. A, it's a 1600 person room. So. Oh, That's great. 
Yeah, it looked yeah. back. I saw. It was the yeah, and that's video. the thing. I mean, it, you know what? There's a crazy contrast in venue capacities between America and Canada. Like the Ogden in Canada would be a 1,200 person. Uh, sorry, 850 person venue, like okay. literally. And in America, yeah. it's like double. It's double. And yeah. uh, we went. There was a show going on at the Fillmore, just like a block down. And we went in earlier. Homie was playing there the same night, so I went to check out the venue, and that's like 3,500. It's similar to the Commodore in Vancouver, okay. which is legally nine ninety nine capacity. Oh my God, that's wow. so it's like Commodore looks huge. It's massive, but they, I mean, they they usually put thirteen, fourteen hundred in there, and even then, like I'm like, there's still okay, room. But in America, though. they just yeah, we stuff we them. Well, that's stuff them. Is the fire and, code yeah. different in Canada? Totally, and that's what it usually has to do with, like the amount of urinals. Like it's fucked. Really? <laughs> so like the people yeah. versus the ratio of people to bathrooms. It's just the always it's venue. it's bathrooms, uh, emergency exits. Usually, it's based on exits. It's like all has to do with fire mm. code, right? You know, that's so interesting. I've never thought about that before, but yeah, yeah, they just they're a lot sense. looser in Canada or in America, and that's. Obviously, for an artist, it's often way better because you can just get more people in these rooms. And for everyone, it's better. But at the same time, there is something to be said about when, like, a place is, like, you know, if there was 1,600 people in the Ogden, like, that's packed. Like, knowing that our show had 1,000 and it felt full. Right. (laughs) But there's also room to move a little bit. Like, I'm cool with that. I think the last time we were here at 7th Street with you, you, when you guys opened, it was, like... It was pretty packed. It was, it packed, was sold out. But it was yeah. sold out, but like their cap is yeah. 230, and that's a small room for yeah. 230 yeah. people. That would, like that would be like that would be like 120 in Canada. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. First half is, yeah, too, they're pretty anal about fire code, though. They don't go yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, totally. Okay, so question. So you, you've always, is that my phone? I'm a dick. Way to go. So you've always DJed on vinyl as far as I've ever seen. Is that something you've always done, and did, has Nick always done that as well, or um, did you start into that at, at a certain point? Yeah, I mean, I so uh, it's funny because actually I've kind of just been I've actually been more pushing Nick to move into the CDJ realm uh, just for for convenience for the most totally. part because mm-hmm. trying to get four working turntables is uh, just a complete. Wait, you nightmare. didn't start doing vinyl for the convenience. Yeah. Can I well, get one of those heinies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. So, right. well, funny enough, so when we when we started, uh, it was like 2007, I was living in this small community in Canada, and I just was like, got into music. Yeah, yeah, go for, go for a beer, I'll keep talking. Sorry, and no one know. will even know you left the table. Yeah, so when we were first starting out, to answer, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, when we were first starting out, <laughs> I just started DJing like all these house parties in this small little community we were at. I literally had like a old Mac book, and uh, like a 1987 Radio Shack mixer and an iPod. And I was like mixing using those two things. And so like like one, maybe once a night, uh, once a DJ said I'd be able to mix two songs just based on the fact that they were the same BPM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, man, I really like this DJing thing. This is great. Like every time we play like sweet music, like all these girls start dancing, the party just becomes awesome. And I was like, this is awesome. This is sweet. Mm-hmm. And I, this was like before like everyone was a DJ. This was 2006, 2007. And we're also in this small little redneck hippie community. And yes, I meant to say both those words. Uh, yes. Where like we weren't really <laughs> like we weren't, I wasn't, Nick was, he had been going to Sean Blanc and stuff, but I, I wasn't in like, any sort of that world so it was just like it was strictly my uh reasoning for getting into it 
So I, I saw this dude uh, showed up uh, that following summer and he had, uh, he was playing vinyl at this house party, but he had this uh, little box and he was like, this is this thing called Serato. And I was like, holy shit, you can play yeah. your MP3s through those turntables. And I was like, that's my jam. So was it the vinyl? I, like, with yeah, the Serato, yeah, with, with the, the time code vinyl. And that's yeah. like when you say like, we're playing vinyl, that's what we're using on stage. And I learned how to DJ using Serato on vinyl and like really learn how to like beat match visually. And over the like the next five, six years, I went like the opposite of most DJs, which is like you learn how to spin on vinyl and then you like move to Serato and see DJs or whatever. I was like, I learned how to spit on Serato and then and then now have like, you know, learned how to play vinyl. And I, I just love the the tactile sense of that. I love in our sets, you know, we are playing everything digitally, but I've over the last few years, I've become like a really weird vinyl nerd. And I just like I buy a lot of uh, 12 inch records and LPs to listen to in my my house. And then I buy a lot of seven inch records to DJ. And that's like something for me that just like as a, a DJ, I'm much more the DJ of the group than the producer uh, with the Funk Hunters, at least. And uh, that's something that I just I love. And especially this day and age when it's like almost never seen anymore. Like mm -hmm. just the fact that we're even using turntables is like a rarity. And uh, with the exception of like turntable lists, and I I wouldn't classify either of us as turntables. Definitely, right. definitely not myself. Right. And but I, I I love the sense of it. It's it definitely technically has strained things for us over the years. But yeah, so we've just like Nick just moved over to CDJs for for simplicity. Just for back getting back on and shows it's been so much easier is, just on yeah. this tour mm -hmm. finding two good turntables is actually pretty easy getting four is almost impossible like there's mm. always one that's just completely fucked so really that's interesting huh. so how did you i wouldn't say transition but start working with lazy syrup as opposed to the funk hunters and like how do those two projects differentiate well, each other yeah let's talk about let's explain what lazy syrup orchestra is first for people who yeah don't know. so i mean you know, Nick and I have been working together for like 10 years and uh, we're he's like literally my best friend and one of the fucking most inspiring, smartest people I know. And uh, I think our partnership has like really flourished, um, obviously, on so many levels, but we're such different people. And, you know, Nick really dove into, you know, becoming like a, a, an amazing music producer and also an engineer and has really like that's like one thing he's like much more in the studio. And I've always been kind of more the DJ. And I just started really longing to like play different styles of music. The Funk Hunters, you know, obviously had a sound and I was like, I really want to like, I'm, I'm really attached to, we started like a music podcast called The Detour, which was like my first kind of uh, output for, for that kind of like, you know, non-club music that uh, that we were into and so i had been bugging my friend andrew the librarian who runs base coast festival since almost like the like i was there the first year and then probably two years after that i started bugging her to do like a solo set like a morning set i was like i really want to do this like morning chill thing and i bugged her i bugged her and then they moved venues and it just never worked out and finally i was like i gave up and then that year she hit me up. She's like, hey, Dunk's like, I'm ready for this project. I don't want you to use your name. I think you should start something fresh. So I was like, okay, so, okay, fine. So I came up with all these names. I was thinking like breakfast names. Like I was like, okay, how about like Legs Benedict? And she's like, <laughs> she's like okay, that's pretty good. But like uh, we got this guy, Bezos Rancheros. Shout out to, shout out to Daryl. He's already got the breakfast thing on lockdown. And I was like, okay. 
So I, I and the irony of this is like I kind of leaves me sometimes but like my my father actually runs a maple syrup company now and in ontario and i i said this name lazy syrup orchestra she was like i love it and i was like oh shit now i like i need an orchestra so my roommate at the time cole uh, graham was a trumpet player and then i was like maybe i should find like an uh, like a multiverse mc and so i thought about i was trying to think of like mcs who don't really like aren't i'm the best rapper you ever did yeah, see you know i was trying yeah. to find someone a little more like kind of unique and abstract so uh my buddy tom's workshop soren jumped on the project and it just started as a one-off and then we like did it again the next summer and then it, it just started picking up steam and it started to really wear me out uh about two years ago i was like trying to manage both projects and i was just kind of the lazy syrup stuff wasn't really i was putting a lot of work in and there wasn't a lot of return on it mm-hmm. and i i actually kind of like gave up on it just before last year. And then this past year, we just had like a phenomenal year, you know, where he's able to actually get in the studio and get some original music out. And it all just kind of came together in the last year, really picked up steam. And we had this amazing year. And now I'm like so energized about the whole project. And it's uh, the whole idea with it is just, you know, it's, it's open format in the, (laughs) for sure. I mean, we, the whole idea was, was mellow morning music to start. But we've been doing like club tours and stuff, so you know we're we're playing a lot of like uh, funky house music, and I've I've really tried to flex some world stuff in there and hit, you know, just it's kind of like the the abstract version of the Funk Hunters. Like I I I think that's one thing I love about doing the Funk Hunters project is that we can still kind of play whatever we want, and we do in our sets. Like we don't really have a, you know, we're not playing glitch hop or we're not playing drum and bass. Like we're we're trying to play everything in yeah. usually an right. hour and a half. Totally. Right, right. Um, and that's worked really well for us in Western Canada. And I think that's starting, that style has really been taken off in the States over the past few years. When you oh, see, definitely. Especially when you see like the biggest people on the block, like all of a sudden playing everything in a set. You're like, okay, this, like people are open to everything. And right. If you can put it together in a, that's the key, yeah, right? Yeah, Without it's a puzzle. A few, yeah, yeah. It's, that's the key, so. And so that's the project, and like it's, it's really the response we've had to it is is just incredible. We've had some really sweet shows at Base Coast and Shambhala. Yeah, I hope to get over there eventually. Everything I've played in BC has been phenomenal. I think you guys did. Yeah. You guys have done Fozzy before, yeah. I we haven't. Yeah, no. But Holy last time I saw shit. you it was up up at Mono when I rolled in. Oh and, yeah, you yeah. guys played right after Lazy Sir. played right after me. That's right. And that yeah. shit was hilarious was because Caleb Caleb was yeah. drunk and Kalena was trying to sort of wrangle him <laughs> but he kept coming up on stage with me during my set and pulling his pants down not completely but like to his boxers and then he would like shake his butt and like that try to hop like on the, the mic real quick and be like you you <laughs> and that was it <laughs> I, like, I was just like what I don't even know this is total mayhem right now and then right after that then you guys went on and it was just like a I felt like it was like a three hour just like extravaganza just like well, you should, Father the next morning, Cheshire and everybody just the next like morning you up. guys all left I did a 90 minute solo chill set at like 7am and then hosted a four hour jam with like six other DJs until noon and what it was it was bananas. I and you stayed awake the whole time? Uh, Somehow. No, I actually, I did stay awake, but I, I went into my van for like two hours and just like 
it was really cold that night and wet and i went in there with my laptop and i actually just like worked on music i just like hit away it was so cold yeah Yeah, like it was um a really shocking battle to find weed at that festival me and the sugar beats boys spent like probably two hours trying to find anybody that would give us like a nug of weed that's a story i've never heard i know i know i know and now you can just go buy it there but at the time you couldn't yeah it was kind of funny but the struggle yeah mona was fun it was just a little chilly willy that was the first time i met will williamson father funk and he was really quiet really quiet we we rode in the um a and r car back to the airport that morning he didn't say anything and i've known him online for like we had never met before that in person but we've been friends online for like five years and and he's always funny and like we're both signed to ghetto funk and we've like been on similar like compilations and and had like funny conversations and like back and forths it for years and i meet him finally and he's just like the quietest dude on the planet we went and we went to a cafe and got some food before our flight says maybe like two words the whole time i'm kind of thinking like man this guy just maybe like finally met me and was like this bitch is annoying or whatever and i'm like i don't really know whatever i saw him at fozzy fest like a month later and he comes up to me out of nowhere. You know, he's like seven yeah. fucking feet tall, hovering over me. He's like, Megan, so sorry. Last time I saw you, was a piece of shit. I was so hungover. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, that makes total sense. Yeah. That's hilarious. But a seven foot tall British guy? He's really shockingly tall. Huh. I did yeah. not expect he's him not to be as. He's so tall. I don't think he's of, tall. Like I don't six, think of the Brits. He's like to be six that tall. four. I would say he's like six yeah, three or six we, four. That's still pretty tall. And he tall. has chops pretty... that go down to his like lip line. That sounds British. And he wears a fur coat and these like ridiculous seven. Shout out to Will. He's a, he's a he's great awesome. dude. Actually, yeah. uh, he does a, a podcast now too. We're gonna have him on Church of Love. Probably within it? like a month, he's gonna be a guest on. Cool. Uh, well, so I'll make sure to get you guys on my new podcast. Shout out to my the Hot Lunch podcast. Yeah. Is that really that, you're doing yeah, a new podcast? Yeah, I just, I just uh, put it uh, in the mail earlier to get the copyright. Oh, no. yeah. uh-huh. I'm yep, going to put yeah. you in the mail, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Send you away from me. Yeah, no, it was just a joke. I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this podcast for a couple of years, and then I was like, oh, that's my new podcast, A Hot Lunch. I said to your friend, that's the best name you've come up with yet, man. And I was like, all right, so we're going to cook hot lunch. We're going to do a podcast. Vegans are welcome. We can still cook hot vegan food. That's cool. Yeah, don't don't prompt that. Pat's horrible vegan joke. What? Your cheers. Oh. Okay, I used to do this cheers from Game of Thrones. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a setup. I know. You know. Yeah, it, it was, it was. But actually, it's funnier if we preface it really quick. I used to say this cheers all the time that I had heard on Game of Thrones where you say, to our wives and mistresses, may they never meet. Ha ha. So Pat decides to say that at like a work meet at like a work party. I do it. And of course, these like super hyper feminist, like social justice warrior women jump all over Pat's nuts about saying something like misogynistic like that, which is ridiculous. I highly doubt they jumped on his nuts. No, they didn't. You said that (laughs) people gave you shit. You felt like you never wanted. Is this one of those sections of the podcast where you have to edit things No, no, I'll keep this one in. No, no, no. These girls jumped all over Pat in a non-literal way about being um, insensitive and how his cheers was douchey and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did you possibly say that in a way that people grilled you about it? But... that being said, then he made his own version of it. 
We haven't cheers yet anyway, Pat. Oh, yeah. So cheers, here we guys. Go. Let's do it. All right. Let's hear it. To all of our vegan and vegetarian friends, may they never meet. <laughs> God. That's great. You got a drink after you cheers. You, you have to put it down first. That's a Minnesota thing. Is it? I thought, yeah, I think in like in when other parts here, of the world, like if, you, if you don't look someone in the eye and you don't drink, like oh, if you yeah, put yeah. it down, but it has to be a tap. Like if you set the drink down without drinking, oh no, that's it's, a, like, it's a it's a tap, and then yeah, yeah but that was not a tap. You oh was, you set it down. But isn't it's that okay. a weird thing? It. Like when You'll I moved here from Montana, and people would cheers and take a shot and go bink bink, like it yeah. was tippy cup or something. You can I was never. Like, it's like what is happening right yeah. now? Why are you putting it back on the table? I don't understand. And then I finally learned that, and then I go home, and people are like, "What are you doing?" Anyway. 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 Any whom. Yeah, how we, we better how get we doing this. here? We're sitting about 42 minutes. Yeah, we better get it wrapped up. Yeah, we got to get some food in our belly. So yeah, we got to get Dunks some food. Dunks can go play some music We got to go rock everybody. the show. Yeah, hey, uh, but, so before we go then, uh, what what's going on with the Funk Hunters on the horizon? Uh, well, right now, what are you now, excited about? I'm excited about a lot of things. Off the top, uh, we dropped our first album just about a year ago, excuse me, and uh, we've been working just with so many people some really awesome producers on this remix album. I think one of them is at the table right now. Shout out Ooh, Pat. to... Nice. Shout yeah. out, shout, <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Shout out to all the vegetarians and vegans and remixers. Right. May they never meet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we got this remix album. So it's Typecast Remixed. Uh, that's dropping very soon. Is it? Um, <laughs> they didn't I, tell me. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't Story worry. Story of my life. Fuck. Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming okay. up. Okay. Not that soon. Not I signed that soon. the contract. I'm like, I guess it'll come it's, out when it comes it's out. It's coming up. But right. so so we got that coming up. Uh, What's it called? It's just the album's called Typecast. So typecast. the remix album's called Get This. Okay. Typecast remixed. Whoa. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to really dig dig deep for that one. But uh, that's dropping soon this summer. We, we're down in America for a couple sweet. We're gonna be at Shaky Beats in Atlanta. Nice. At Lakewood Festival in Pennsylvania and Electric Forest. Oh, you're doing uh, EF this year? Oh, and Have you, done uh, EF you heard it here first, kids. We're also going to be at Coachella. <gasps> no shit. Fuck yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. You just yeah. hit the two but biggest things that are, are like that's genre. That's We're going to be at the uh, at the Do Lab stage. We played there in 2016 and it was fucking amazing. And uh, shout out to all the Coachella haters because I totally get it. But uh, man, if you want to see just amazing performances, that is an unrivaled festival. Everyone just brings their A game. Every artist brings their A game. I've never been so jaw dropped uh, at live music performances than I was at Coachella. So I will say that. Very cool. And uh, very cool. I highly recommend it. Like if you, you know, especially if you if you got a bad. If you feel like oh, that's not for me, like just go and yeah. and leave your hate at the door, and I think you'll be impressed. Totally. And it's uh, yeah. that's good advice for everybody. That's good advice for everybody. For everything, man. Yeah. Like you know, especially when things are like overhyped and over whatever. I mean, it, everything, every festival, every everything in life is what you make it, and you really gotta just choose your own adventure. And you can follow the fucking online trolls and lead yourself into a world of despair and more comments commenting on comments and having mm-hmm. to reply to comments or you can just live your life and yep. and enjoy things for what they are and i think totally. yeah. i've advice, gotten in so. arguments same thing about people with like edc for just, example yeah. oh it's yeah. way too big for me yeah. i never want to go to that 
gotta say, just do it one time. Yeah. Do all yeah. the big ones one time because totally. the level of production at these it's, festivals is absolutely unparalleled and you won't find it anywhere else at smaller festivals with yeah. less people, which is what everyone bitches that they don't like is all the people. Well, all those people pay for the coolest shit yeah. I've ever seen in my yeah. fucking life. So yeah. go check it yeah. out. And, and it might not be your thing. And I also think if you can figure out a way to make it work for you. I mean, we I always joke like once you're an artist or you have a VIP experience at a festival or a show, GA has a whole different meaning after that. It so really I does. understand that. Yeah. I get the whole, yeah. Yeah. but if you, you know, if you, there are ways without having to fork out all the money too, that you can make it work in whatever. Yeah. Matter. And so. you know what, if that's not your thing, that's fine. Don't yeah. be a hater about it. If that's not your thing. Totally. Cool. Then totally. You don't have to hate on it. Yeah. You uh, don't. Okay. So cool. That Funk Hunters, Coachella, we're super stoked about that. Electric Forest, we're going to be stoked about that. And the remix album, Lazy Syrup Orchestra. What do you guys got? You're riding high after 2018. We are en route to Envision Festival in two weeks. All right. So that's that's big for us. We're doing a morning set there on Sunday, and we are amped. We're coming right back. We got a show with DJ Frain. If you haven't heard of this guy, he's a trip-hop, smoked-out sample pioneer. I discovered him in the early 2000s. Check out, he has three or four mixtape albums called his... F-R-A-N-E. He's out of Los Angeles. Right. He's coming up for, this is his first show in Canada, and uh, Lazy Serp's doing direct support for him. Uh, the next night, we're in Victoria, B.C. Wait, uh, so you're at Inuvita, and then no, the next night, you're in Sorry, ca- the next weekend. The next oh, my weekend. God. I was like, oh, yeah, my God, yeah. doing... may you rest in peace. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uvita, no. for people that don't know where Envision is, yeah. it's about four hours south of the san juan airport so yeah three san to four hours san jose yeah. i'm sorry i was just in this a different part fourth, of central this will be America, my fourth yeah. time at envision festival actually it's I've been not there. like just right off the airport yeah it's like hours but down it's amazing it's amazing but i'm gonna I'm go one of these days i'm like, gonna win those free tickets for envision fest and i'll see you guys there so and then we got a, few, a couple of shows at small uh mountain towns in british columbia that you guys never heard of so it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> that's the end of the lazy syrup springtime but uh uh, actually, just a quick side note. I just got this. We just launched our tour poster today, and I got this design. It was called Spring Tour, but he put these like mushrooms on it. And I was like, man, all these shows are in March. We're calling this tour the Magic March Rooms Tour because we're playing yes. rooms in March. And then yes. I had this like, oh, man, this my friends at Small Town DJs have a tour in Canada at the same time. The similar venue is called the Mountain Magic Tour. And I was like, fuck, we can't use the word magic. So I like I literally spent the last 24 hours like trying to figure out what we're going to call this tour. Anyway, we just settled with straight up the March Rooms tour. March Rooms. And there's like still it. mushrooms in the poster. And then I like said it's going to be a total trip. So you should come or you should uh, get, come roll roll with us on this trip. The March Rooms. I, I see where, It's I see a horrible pun. I, see, I like if it. you have to explain I, it I'm that much. Fan. I'm yeah, a fan. Yeah, I thanks, love puns. Guys. I told my girlfriend last night, I was like, what do you think of this day? She's like, no one's going to get that. I was I like, but it. if I explain if it, she's like, rooms, it'll be cool. No, yeah. I love, I love jokey puns. Jokey puns. Jokey puns. Jokey puns. Yeah. Yeah. That'd right. be, well, be my DJ I like name. dry, non-funny puns, but <laughs> hey, I want to honestly thank favorite. you guys for having me on the podcast. <laughs> I'm a big fan it. of both of you. And, uh, we're a big fan of you. Yeah. I just landed in Minneapolis. It's cold. It's here. It and, is. uh, I'm ready to rock, man. Let's, All right. Well, let's go party to your music. All right. Well, I'll be partying to your music. Pat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are we playing Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, peace out, y'all. Thanks. Love Thanks you, Hammerton. Hammerton. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. That was awesome. It's always great seeing him. I feel yes. like I see him more than like a lot of people that we work <laughs> with. I see. I feel like I see him like two or three times a year just randomly. Yeah. You know, I do as well. And that's like probably that's very a good, much no, it's a good speaks thing. to the fact of that they like started off, you know, me in this whole direction. So mm-hmm. we, we get put on some of the same festivals and the same shows. And I mean, I know they come through Minneapolis once a year at least, but... Yeah. That's another reason we see them a lot because we're just in the same same, same vein, you know? Yeah, it's true. That's a good thing. I love seeing those guys. I love yeah. seeing Duncan. Yeah, and they put on a lot of other good artists too, like Moon Tricks and Shiloh and I'm trying to think of some of the more recent releases that they've done. But anyway, mm. you should go. Uh, Westwood has its own SoundCloud, so you should go check that out. And if you haven't heard of the Fun Counters, like, Get it together. Yeah, get it go together. listen to them. And go check out Lazy Syrup right Orchestra too. Yes, Lazy Syrup Orchestra. They're awesome. A little more of a hip hoppy feel. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome all around. Speaking of um, awesome stuff, Megan, you just Well, speaking hadn't... of funk like extravaganza, yeah. I was just in Denver. Yeah, it was an awesome funk extravaganza. Yeah, it was really, really fun. It was the first two dates that I had on this tour that I'm doing with Maddie O'Neill. And we're continuing that into this month, March, with a date on, let's see, sorry, the 14th in Grand Rapids, the 15th in Fargo, the 16th in Minneapolis, the 21st in Vail, the 22nd in Steamboat Springs, and the 23rd in Winter Park. So I'll be back in um, so Colorado in, next so month. So you start in Colorado, come to the Midwest for a few dates, and then loop back in No, Colorado. I just got back from Colorado. Yeah, I know, but you guys, you started your tour oh. in Colorado. That's yes. what I'm saying. And I then thought you were can... set out of like what I just read. Sorry, we can yeah, edit no. that out. But... No, but you start, so you started, you started there, had like a week off, and then you're going to loop, or two weeks off or so, and then you're going to loop back. Yeah, and I'm actually doing South by Southwest on the 13th. Oh, you are? Yeah, so that, I'll have to fly directly to Grand Rapids to meet up with Maddie, and then we'll have Fargo. Where are you playing at uh, South by Southwest, do you know? I do. It's called The Voodoo. Ooh. Yeah, bumping in the voodoo. Sounds scary. Yeah, uh, it should be cool. I've never been to South by Southwest. It's I've fun. always known like fun, fun, that, fun. Exactly, and I've always heard that. But my thing was like, everyone is always saying, "Okay, you got to pay to play." Basically, is what I hear Sometimes the a majority do. of the time. If you if you're an unknown person and you're just going down there to try to get your band to play, then yeah, you got to pay to play or okay. Set up have shop any on the of the bands you've ever been in? been paid to play at south by southwest no i've never played down there see and it's such a weird thing i've never wanted i've never well, you tried. were in like okay yeah but like that's exactly my point i don't think it's a trying thing if you if they're gonna pay you to come down to south by it's because somebody seeked you out because of the, the yeah. volume of people that are trying to come into every single venue there like right. there's you no way that they're not all being harassed i mean you can basic yeah you can basically um expect to not get paid down there i would imagine if you're yeah, like for 99 exactly. and of the honestly acts. i kind of thought that that was like the whole entire shtick of the whole thing was just not, like go like, network a bunch and like don't make any money and that yeah. seemed to be what like a lot of the people that i know and that I like grew up in the scene and stuff with were going to do. They would actually route tours basically from Minneapolis going down all yeah. the way to Texas to pay Spend, for the yep. fact that they were going to make nothing or have to pay to play when they got to Austin. Exactly. Or just setting up a DIY thing like at somebody's house that like totally. people will like. So that's been my like, like kind of bands. thought about it this whole entire time. So when right. Cole was like, do you want to play at South by? I was like, what? Are you getting paid? I mean, yes, I won't Sweet. be paying to go down there, which is nice. Hell so, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I wasn't saying all that by any means to toot my own horn. My, no. I was just saying that because literally that was you, my that was your percep- kind of perception, perception of, of this has always been like, well, I'm not going to go it's, down to pay to play anywhere, to anybody, ever. Well, a lot of it is like one-off set up like, quote, venues that will just feature bands, but then there's a lot of bands that would just go down there and they can play for free. They just want content and everybody wants to be part of it in the city, whether it be like somebody's I just always hear it so overrun somebody. that it's absolutely insane. I and had I a just blast when imagine. I was down there. And uh, I was down oh, no, there like I, four I know, years I hear it's ago. fun. I just yeah. mean like people say it's, now it's corporately sponsored and everything. Mm-hmm. It's become a behemoth of a, a thing and it's just kind of overwhelming and yeah. that's what I've heard about it. I'm excited for it. I mean Yeah, it's not I don't think I've it's always as, wanted to go. But. I don't think it's as going to be as corporate and overrun as you would expect. Okay. Because that's how I thought too okay. when I went down there. And there are like major label like rent outs for like a block party that they'll have their features and then like that does kind of get overrun with a lot of people trying to go there as a destination and be like, oh I gotta see Ariana Grande. Yeah. Or the next Ariana Grande. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that, but there's so many great music venues down there and bars that awesome. you can just walk in and maybe it's like a $5 cover. Maybe it's a free cover. They just want people in the door, you know, drinking. And I saw some great acts for free just down there. And Dope. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. I'm excited. It's obviously been something I've I've been curious about for a long, long time. You're going to have a blast. So. And the weather is usually pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly excited because <laughs> Minneapolis has just been terrible lately. But anyway, um, yeah. so those are what I've got coming up in the next month or two. So if you're in any of those places, I'd love to see you. How was your show in, you had a show at Cervantes and then did you guys do Boulder? Uh, no, we did Fort Collins. Fort Collins. So we did Hody's Half Note. Um, cool. They went, they went really well. It actually like blizzarded, of course, on of course. Friday night, which was the night that we played in Denver at Cervantes. And that was Maddie's first time uh, co-headlining with Freddie Todd in the main room. So that was fun to open up for them. And I actually played the guitar for my first time Did on you really? Stage. Yeah. Um, awesome. Shout out to Rob, Homemade Spaceship, for letting me play his guitar that night. And then shout out to Max from Skydive for, for letting me play his guitar the next night in Fort Collins. Sweet. I wasn't planning on doing it at all. And then what? I was there like a couple days early just to like hang out and kick it with like Maddie and some other homies and stuff and make some music maybe or whatever. And somebody was like, why aren't you playing the guitar on stage? I was like, ah, I don't know. I didn't bring one. I don't want to do it now. It's, uh... yeah. And then I don't know. I, I like grew a pair really quick and it. found a guitar. And Did you have an amp or did you go DI or what'd you do? Rob was really nice enough to let me borrow his line six. So oh, okay. I just ran it through sort of like this interface pedal board. And then Max is a badass and brought like a rack. Yeah. Max brought like some sort of like DI rack rack type, that rack we routed it thing. through and it cool. sounded the the tone was phenomenal. Like ax, I really like couldn't tell you what it was. Or I it was, probably it was a hand, awesome. A it was in this big huge been, yeah. flight case and yeah. I was kind of overwhelmed by it. I mean like I I was really excited and like super grateful for him to, and he honestly he's so cool. He let me play this new guitar that he just finished building. Sweet. Which was really really awesome. That is really um, awesome. And it was this really pretty strat, like blue. Nice. But um anyway, I was kind of intimidated when he brought all that fancy stuff because I was just like, oh my God, I'm just a peasant like guitar player. This is seems so excessive. But I think it went pretty well. I had fun doing it and I heard good feedback about it. So I probably will start doing that in the future as well. 
And same with the bass a little bit. I can't really decide which one I like to play more on stage. So hmm. we will see. But yeah, the shows went well. I ate a lot of food while we were there. So this is the next chapter of Megan Tells You Where to Eat. <laughs> if you go to Denver, go eat at, first of all, there's like a, like a list here. You got to, first of all, go eat at Senior Bear. It's this amazing like Mexican fusion restaurant. They did this play on the cheesy gordita crunch, which is like, Ooh, yeah. you know, the bomb bomb yeah. from Taco Bell. If anybody who's <laughs> anybody knows that. Taco Bell sponsor us. Yeah. It's called the Gordo Crunch. And it's like handmade little street taco soft tortilla with the corn on the inside. And it's amazing. Anyway. Sounds good. Hey, didn't you start like a food Instagram? You should tell people what it is. I did, yeah. I started a foodie Instagram. Um, It's called the Funky Foodie. Funky spelled F-U-N-K-I-E. Just like like foodie. So anyway, the Funky Foodie. I post things that I cook and things that I eat. They're all things that I end up eating. Good. (laughs) It's just basically an archive (laughs) for me to go look at the things that I've already eaten. Remember all the good times. But no, I don't know why I I started to realize I was going through my, as I was going through my phone, I had all these pictures of this food that I was eating while I was like flying all over the country. Like I would just take like a arbitrary photo to send to whoever I was talking to at the time and be like, oh my God, look at this awesome shit. And then I was like looking through my, my just gallery and was seeing how many photos of food I realized I had taken. I was like, well, I guess I'll start a stupid little foodie Instagram for this, for all these photos. So I did that. And yeah, you should go follow me if you like food. And yeah, I eat meat, so forget Uh, about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's pretty much all we got for today. So again, it's like uh, the intersection, and that's like the 14th, you said? Well, first it's the 13th. It's the stash, technically. Yeah. Me and Maddie at so the stash. The 13th, though, down at the Voodoo in, in Austin, uh, Austin for South by Southwest. The 14th at the stash in Grand Rapids. The 15th in Fargo at the Aquarium. And the 16th at the Skyway in Minneapolis. And then we've got some mountain dates that you can check out if you want to go peep our Facebook or something like that. Cool. All right. Thanks, y'all.